Now, I may be a mean cuss, but I'm the same mean cuss with everybody out there on that football field. The world don't give a damn about how sensitive these kids are, especially the young black kids. You ain't doing these kids a favor by patronizing them. You're crippling them. You're crippling them for life. everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from uh, Remember the Titans for a couple reasons, because there's some football uh, headlines going on, and, uh, and it all relates to that creepy thing called racism that we seem to not be able to get away away from and uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that in in lots of detail today i got a lot of content today and i got a guest on uh, but so before we get started let me introduce myself my name is ed hoffman president wholesale capital corporation your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of marino valley also offices in temecula corona downey westlake village and covina to service all of southern california all of all of california and arizona if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there's lots of them out there, and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're at work and you're stealing time from your boss... You shouldn't do that. Wait till your government mandated 15 minute break or your, uh, you know, for coffee or cigarettes and your government mandated hour for lunch and uh, go to edhoffman.net. Click on apply now. Put in as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, Alex Rojas, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury. Uh, I think that's all of them. And we'll, uh, we'll contact you any way you want contacted, whether your cell phone, your home phone, your uh, text, your email, uh, smoke signals, whatever works. If you hear something you want repeated, you can uh, also go to edhoffman.net. Click on listen to the main event here. This show as well as several past shows, and or you can get me on podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search the main event, or search Ed Hoffman, and you'll see uh, you'll see what I look like about eight or nine years ago when I started. Before I started going gray, and uh, and then you'll be able to subscribe for free, have it download once a week from your to your uh, your iPhone, your iPad, your iWatch, your iPod. Your droid, your computer, whatever device you're listening to iTunes on, and you can listen to it anytime you want. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman. I tweet about current events all week long, uh, sometimes more aggressively than others. And uh, you can uh, get our Facebook page on uh, at Facebook. Search the main event 590 to find the show page. You can also read my weekly columns at IE Business Daily and click on the opinion column. This week's opinion is how Donald Trump has, has not really flip-flopped on immigration in my opinion, everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's everybody's entitled to mine. In my opinion, so uh, so last week, so let's get into the the current events here. Last week, uh, San Francisco 49ers Colin Kaepernick refused to stand during the national anthem before the August 26th preseason game against Green Bay Packers. During the post game interview, Kaepernick was asked why he sat down. His answer: ABC News recapped Kaepernick what Kaepernick told the reporter. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. 
To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. In a clear reference to police shootings of African Americans, he added, there are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. Yeah, they are people getting away with getting away with murder. Most of them are black that are killing the black people. But later, the 49s re- released a statement. The national anthem is and always will be a special part of the pregame ceremony. It's an opportunity to honor our country and reflect on the great liberties we are afforded as citizens. In respecting such American principles of as freedom of religion and freedom of expression, we recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of the national anthem. I guess they'll just be recognizing that right of his all season long because then there's what uh, Kaepernick had to say when he was asked if he's going to continue sitting down during the national anthem. I'll continue to sit. I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. Uh, To me, this is something that has to change. And when there's significant change and I feel like that flag represents what it's supposed to represent and this country is representing people the way that's supposed to, I'll stand. Yeah, he doesn't realize his freedom to make $19 million a year throwing a football around, doing basically nothing for his fellow uh, his fellow uh, citizen, having no, uh, as far as I'm concerned, having, having no value to society other than uh, a place for people to drink and, uh, and I don't know, I guess they do uh, whatever they do watching football when they could be doing uh, something more productive. Um, but the people that provided him that right are the people that went to war and, and, our, our flag and our national anthem is a symbol of that. Lots of people are unhappy with Kaepernick for this stunt, including other NFL players, even the show Sports Center. But on Monday, it was our friend Joey Jones who, who got all the attention for his tweet about Kaepernick. Joey is, gonna, is, uh, is getting hateful, malicious tweets from liberals all week long. And here to talk about it on the air with us, our friend, retired Marine Sergeant Joey Jones. Joey, welcome back to the main event. Hey brother, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, you know what? Uh, you are you are one of my buddies and one of my heroes, and uh, certainly uh, certainly I am enjoying the uh, the fruits of the freedoms that this country provides, and uh, and uh, fought for and died for by uh, by many heroes like you. And uh, I'm happy to, happy to call you my friend. But uh, you made national news on Monday. Thanks to this tweet that you sent to uh, you sent to uh, Colin Kaepernick, you put, "Hey, at Kaepernick seven, I don't have legs, but I'll stand with enough pride for both of us every time my national anthem plays." Then, before I get your comments, then you appeared on Greta to talk about it, and let's just play a little bit of that. But his comments equated patriotism or pride in this country or that anthem to supporting oppression. Um, Listen, by no means is our country perfect, and by all means, let's address actual issues and work to solve them. But when you sit there and equate my pride in my country to a bigot in some other place or, or those the ones that are in this country to the 300 million that aren't that way, I, I take issue with that, and I'm going to tell you about it, especially when you use your platform that way. Would you like to comment, or should I go on? No, I would love to. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to tell a little bit more about the that tweet and kind of what's happened since then, uh, if you got a minute for that story. Yeah, because I've seen some of the responses that you've gotten, because... Uh, uh, I, I know you follow me and I follow you and it's it's just it's just disturbing the the kind of kind of idiots and small thinking insects sure. insects that we have in this country that would well, that would I mean, respond to you. All, 
I want to say that my my tweet was nothing more than the words put there. I I simply said, hey, you know, if you're not going to stand, just know my perspective. If I'm going to take the the minute it takes to listen to your uh, comments on ESPN or wherever they landed, then you need to know how I feel about this. And uh, and the point of me sending that tweet and what the message I've tried to send since then is, we're not ever going to get any better at anything by drawing more lines in the sand and trying to poke other people in the eyeball. I absolutely think that Colin Kaepernick knew he would stir a controversy. I do believe that he thinks he's doing it for some greater cause, but when you really look at it, he's so far from the issue that he's, he's having to pull himself back now, and, um, and that's exactly what he's doing, and I do commend him for that. Um, and just to get the rest of the story, after I sent that tweet, it got 50,000 retweets. I did a few different television interviews kind of expressing my point of view, Shortly after that, um, the hashtag was started, Veterans for Kaepernick. Now, I absolutely believe that hashtag was started by people supporting Kaepernick, reporting on veterans that had come out in support of Kaepernick's right to take a knee. And so now there's a multiple conversations going on for intelligent people, not the ones tweeting me. The ones tweeting me were, were the scumbags sitting at home playing Nintendo, not working for a living, looking for something to do. Most of them equated to about 10,000 tweets where they called me Lieutenant Dan, a few less that called me Tink Tink, and a few less that said, uh, you know, like, I hope your legs rust and stuff like that. But the actual um, issue that Colin Kaepernick was addressing and, and what's happening now is that people are saying, well, you know, as a veteran, didn't you fight for his right to sit down during the National Anthem? And absolutely, that is a freedom through the First Amendment. But exercising your First Amendment is a far cry from being right about the issue or, for, or a far cry from what you're actually trying to say being truthful or not. So my point was Colin Kaepernick's perspective was wrong. Does racism exist in this country? Absolutely. Does police brutality exist in some parts of this country or at times in this country? Absolutely. Of the dozens and dozens of um, African-Americans who have been killed by police, are there one or two that might have been unjust and should have been handled better? Perhaps. But that's a far cry, and that's so far from saying that being patriotic and being proud of this country and being proud of the fact this country takes a hard look at itself every morning and says, how do we get better? How do we get fairer? How do we get more equal? To equate that to the very few that are bigoted or, or that we need to weed out or that we need to make sure that doesn't continue to happen. To equate those two things together, I think, is a complete lie. It only uh, serves the purpose of making people mad, offending people, pushing people away from each other, drawing lines in the sand. And then when he backs that up by wearing socks in practice or on the field that depict police officers as pigs or a Fidel Castro T-shirt, who's one of the most oppressive world leaders in our time, um, th then you start to put the whole picture together and realize he's either completely uninformed or he's just looking to stir a controversy. And that's where I landed, and that's why I spoke back out against him. Now, something that happened yesterday that I think is very important to note, because I'm a fair person, and I learned a long time ago the quickest way um, to lose your credibility is to not learn, is to, is to shut yourself off from the things around you. A guy named Nate Boyer, a close friend of mine, Army Green Beret, went on to play at the University of Tennessee and then for the Seattle Seahawks as a long snapper, wrote an open letter to Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick invited him out to San Francisco or San Diego, I mean, for their game last night, Military Appreciation Night in San Diego. After an hour and a half of talking with Nate Boyer, an American hero, when Colin Kaepernick came out on the field, this time instead of sitting, he came out to the line with the rest of the players and took a knee 
while Nate stood with his hand over his chest beside him. Now that visual right there is enough. It shows you the difference between a hero and a guy that's confused about what he's passionate about. But what he said after that was that he spoke with Nate and was looking for a way that showed he took objection to the issues he was passionate about, but didn't in the same breath or the same action disrespect the service and sacrifice of our military and, and Americans around the country. Now that's a place to start. The problem is he didn't start with that message. And I don't know if he can recoup his credibility as a quote-unquote activist by simply realizing he was wrong. Um, but I'm not going to take that away from him. If he wants to come out and say, hey, I was wrong how I approached this, I'm going to approach it this way, I'm going to give him all the grace in the world, and I'm going to extend a hand to work with him because that's what this country is. We're forgiving, and we want to come together. We want to unite. We want to be better. Um, but you just don't do it by by going out and purposely offending people without being able to back that up. Um, and so that's where we are today. Let's hope uh, that the people who jump into this, I know John Legend has jumped in and said some really ignorant things. Let's hope that, uh, that Colin Kaepernick turns those people away, really reaches out to the people uh, that, are on, that are on the right side of this issue. And, um, and then some of these harder issues we can address and, uh, and start to make sure police forces are better trained and, and personalities are well-suited for the job. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little flabbergasted that you are such a forgiving guy and, uh, and have such an open mind when I just want to clobber him. And, uh, <laughs> and I hats off to, especially with some of the tweets that you got, um, and I've said this about about uh, you and as well as uh, as uh, as your friend uh, Andrew Petrell, uh, emotionally uh, invincible, and you know you guys you guys that have paid such a huge price for this country um, that can that can respect someone's opinion when they are as offensive as they are are just uh, I'm uh, I'm total respect for that total respect for that but. I just that's just not me cuz I think this guy's a mixed up idiot. I don't think I don't think anybody should listen to his his message cuz he doesn't have a message. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just wanted to get some attention. You know, he uh he he was uh he's he's born obviously to some other some other nationality and two white people uh uh, ra- uh adopted him and raised him and then he's turning on this and getting behind the Black Lives Matter and com- uh, became a Muslim because of a girl that that he's dating or he got married to or whoever, you know, to me, he's, you know, and then, and then opening day of the NFL is next Sunday and that's September 11th. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a problem with him sitting down or even kneeling on September 11th and not, uh, not respecting the flag on, uh, on a, a day that's so, uh, so sacred to those of us that remember it and uh so instead of everybody watching football next sunday make sure you listen to the main event because i'm gonna have my 9-11 special that i did about i don't know uh eight or nine years ago and i play it every every 9-11 and uh it's a whole mix of of uh, patriotic stuff that you'll that you'll absolutely love if you never heard it before um and then here's something i didn't know about well before we get off kaepernick here's something i didn't know about his remarks at first because they weren't played in their entirety until tuesday uh and it concerns presidential candidates let me play it and get your response you have hillary who's called black teens or black kids super predators uh you have donald trump who's openly racist um i mean we have 
a presidential candidate who's deleted emails and done things illegally and is a presidential candidate. That, that doesn't make sense to me, because if that was any other person, you'd be in prison. So what is this country really standing for? You know what? I agree with that, but I don't say I agree with what he said about Hillary. No, why? You know, how can how can she be a presidential candidate when she's done all that she's done and it continues to come out? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second half. But when is when is Trump openly racist? Your comments (laughs) on the comment. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think it's important that you play that. And I'm glad you played it. And I'm glad you didn't start with just the fact that. He talks about her deleting emails. And so now we get to better understand uh, maybe where this guy's coming from. And ultimately, you talk about me being forgiving or, or something like that. Here's the deal, man. Uh, I pray for these people. I pray for the people I don't agree with, not the ones I do agree with, or, or not as much uh, for the ones I do agree with, because two things. One, I might stand to learn something from them if they can put their thoughts together correctly. And two, they might stand to actually learn something from me. So I can't get Colin Kaepernick to understand where he needs to be better or, or where he's wrong if I don't take the time to listen to him, pray for him, and hope that, uh, that he can put together an argument that makes sense or a passion with an argument that makes sense. I'm not going to question his, his ethnicity, his upbringing, why he is compelled to be um, passionate about this. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know, being simp- simply being ignorant on an issue isn't enough. You, you, if you're going to speak out about it, I'm going to mandate that you speak out about it intelligently. Um, and so, you know, I'm glad that you put all the information out there. We better see who he is and perhaps what he's talking about. As far as Donald Trump goes, at this point, does it really matter if Donald Trump is racist or not? I don't think he is. There's no evidence to show it. But on this issue, as far as Colin Kaepernick saying that, what matters in this presidential election is, has Donald Trump said things or is he going to continue to say things that people can misconstrue or will allow people to jump to a conclusion? And I think what we've seen in the last week and a half is he's realized that this shoot-it-from-the-hip way of winning the primary just isn't going to work in the general election. There, there are people – there is an establishment, and that establishment is called that because they're used to winning, because they show out in huge numbers. And to continue to divide the Republican Party and say, I'm not those guys, those guys need to go on, or to support Ryan, uh, Paul Ryan's opponent and things like that, I think he's realized that's not how you win over a general election. Um, and so if he can continue to do that, if he can continue to see that his words have consequences in ways that he, he hasn't foreseen before, then people can start to focus on the things that he's supporting, the policies he's supporting, the ideals he's trying to bring to the table. Then people can focus on the nuts and bolts ways he could be different, as opposed to simply, um, hey, you know what I did in the primary? I got everyone to resent the establishment, just like the Tea Party did, and so now I'm going to uh, divide the Republican Party enough to win the primary, because that's what happened. And, it, and as innovative as that was, it's not enough. And now what we're seeing in this last week and a half is a completely different perspective, a very different strategy. And I think it's going to work. I think what he did down in Mexico was really smart. I think that's the way that his shooting from the hip personality can be effective. I just, you know, he has put himself in a position where there can be no slip-ups. There can be no stutters. There can be no misconstrued. There can be no take a risk and it not play out. He has the bad 1,000 from here on out. But for the first time in his general election candidacy, batting 1,000 
shows potential, and it shows that he probably uh, can bring the rest of the Republicans on board. And, and just like I heard uh, reporting today, going out into the African-American community in some of these places and saying, why not give me a chance? That, I mean, you say that. Don't say anything else. Don't talk about anything else. Just say, why not give me a chance? It's hard for somebody to call you a racist when all you say is, why not give me a chance? But when you keep going on that tangent like he's done in the past, then, then a fragment of a sentence is going to be misconstrued. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the grace that a Hillary Clinton gets. That's how our society is divided right now, and he's got to carry that responsibility, and he's got to represent the rest of us uh, that were critical of him uh, if he wants to win us over and get us to the ballot box. Plus, he doesn't get have 90 95% of the uh, media in the tank for, for him like they are for her. Well, we got excuses all day long, but at the end of the day, you got to do what you need to do to win, and that's what I want to see. If it, if she's got 95% of the media, then don't feed them. Don't give them reasons to, to report negatively or to lie about you. Um, you know, it's just like it, it goes back similar to the racial issue. You know, if you really have a, have a problem with how so many people perceive the black community, then take objection with Hollywood when they make a movie that glorifies the gangster counterculture and then they attribute that entire, entirely to the African-American community. Um, you know, that's racist. I don't think that of the African-American community, but Hollywood obviously does. Rap music obviously does. There's plenty of, quote-unquote, liberal venues that try to promote that and then glorify it. That's what we need to take objection with. It's the same thing. Yeah, the liberal media may be liberal media. Don't give them a, a means to do that. Take it back away from them. Uh, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to get something done, every time you point a finger, there's four pointing back at you. So if you're going to point a finger at the liberal media, you got to look at those four opportunities pointing back at you. You gave them, and not give them those opportunities. See, that's what responsibility is. It means you got to work twice as hard to get to the same place. But when you get there, if he wins this election and he does work twice as hard as Hillary Clinton, he's going to be twice as prepared, and that's something I can look forward to. Yeah, and you know, uh, you know what they say: uh, hard work beats talent when talent won't work hard. And uh, he's go. he's working harder. Obviously, Hillary's Hillary's uh, more talented at the political part of it, of lying lying to the cameras but sounding so convincing and being so politically correct when she does it and it's it's just nauseating it's nauseating to hear her just continue continue to lie but uh let, let me get your thoughts on another thing uh secretary of state john Kerry made a comment i wanted to get your take on here's uh Frex fox's brett bear reading what Kerry said to the reporters i had had actually Kerry saying it but uh it, the the audio was kind of muffled let's hear uh, how brett bear says it if you decide one day you're going to be a terrorist and you're willing to kill yourself, you can go out and kill some people. You can make some noise. Perhaps the media would do us all a service if they didn't cover it quite as much. People wouldn't know what's going on. As a military guy and someone who's actually fought terrorism, what's your comment on that? It, it, you know, this is something that's hard for me to land on, uh, because as a military guy, I, in, an, in a closed room with people that are like-minded and I know won't be inspired to be idiotic, we do say things like, you know, why give these guys so much time on air? Because all you're going to do is make someone think, well, if I go do that, I'll get two hours or two days of airplay. But when it's the Secretary of State, when you're speaking to an unknown audience, You've got to have a little bit more reservation and, and, and perception than that. 
when you're the Secretary of State speaking to the media, you don't ask them to, to put their reporting in check. I mean, that's just not how this, this country works. So it's a, it is a double-edged sword, absolutely. If someone's going to go out and do those things, we should be reporting on it, and, and the media should be doing its due diligence so that our country stays informed and can recognize the threat that's out there. At the same time, there's going to be a, re- a repercussion from that where people may be inspired. But if people are, are going to be inspired, they're going to do it anyway. If people are that hateful and evil, they're going to do it anyway. What John Kerry needs to recognize and be working on is how do we stop Iran from, uh, from uh, achieving nuclear weapons and how do we make sense of the failed policies in the Middle East. Exactly. Uh, hey, uh, John, it, hey, Joey, we're going to be uh, – we got to split for, uh, for part two. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, Joey, you going to stay around for part two? Absolutely. Okay, we'll be back after five minutes of uh, traffic commercials and uh, be right back with part two of the main event. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk much about mortgages and real estate financing, but if you need them and you want to talk to someone who thinks like you and has some common sense, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. For those of you that missed the first half, on uh, on the air with me today is a Marine Sergeant, a retired EOD tech, uh, Joey Jones. Joey? Welcome back to part two. Thanks for keeping me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I like your I like your perspective. It gives a uh, it gives everybody a uh, common sense thirty year old uh, uh, perspective to go along with. Uh, I mean, there's not very many thirty year olds that have very much common sense, but you know, along with my almost fifty five year old uh, common sense, uh, and maybe it's not common, but it's sense. Uh, we get we get both sides. So uh, so let's talk about we've been talking about Colin Kaepernick and all that stuff, but let's talk about what else happened in politics this week. Hillary Clinton spent most of her time fundraising in in Beverly Hills and the Hamptons this past week with a few campaign rallies, and uh, the ones that she's done have been filled with uh, baseless accusations of racism against Donald Trump. I wondered if the the DNC has talked about her about cutting down on that. Talked to her about cutting down on that because the new DNC chair Donna Brazil addressed it on the Sunday shows this week on AB. This week ABC Brazil was asked if Hillary was also calling the 13 million Americans who voted for Trump in the primaries racist. Hillary Clinton is talking to all Americans. She's talking about jobs. She's talking about how to make this country stronger in terms of our our national security. She's talking about opportunity for our young people. So no, no one is spreading any kind of uh, rumors or saying anything about Donald Trump supporters, or for that matter, the supporters of Ted Cruz and everyone else. No, nobody's saying that. Meanwhile, Hillary's campaign is hoping that America isn't paying attention to the new developments in her email scandal. The State Department announced this week that it uncovered additional documents related to the 2012 Benghazi attack, 30 of which are being examined to to determine if they are duplicates of emails already published online. Here's what the State Department is saying right now. We're still working our way through it. Um, uh, We have not confirmed um, that either they are actually responsive to the Benghazi-related request, or that they are duplicates of materials that we've already had. We're still working our way through that. Yeah, and they want to delay delay response on that for two months, and the judge said, no, not two months. I'm not stupid because that puts us past the, uh, past the election. And uh, it's amazing. 30 emails. How long would it take to read 30 emails to figure out if they're duplicates? Joey? <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I choose not to read emails most of the time because I want to make people call me and have a personal interaction. Um, here's where we are. And, and, you know, we talked about Colin Kaepernick earlier. And the fact that Colin Kaepernick is very passionate with the Black Lives Matter movement and uses his forum to speak out about that, but still mentions the fact Hillary Clinton should be in jail, that is proof in the pudding that this is not going to go away and that this is creeping into even her most adamant supporters or, or let me say, even into the groups that she's pandering to the most. This isn't going to go away. Now, it doesn't mean that anything more will come of it legally, but in the eyes of the voters, which is perceivably more important, it's not going away, and people are learning more and more each day. You know, in the mainstream media and even on Fox News Channel, you get this feeling they say, well, so much of it seeps out that people get galvanized to it. Well, I actually I look at it completely differently. I think that it sticks around, and new information is added to it so often now that people who otherwise would be galvanized to it just simply can't ignore it. Um, And just like we said in the earlier segment, if Donald Trump can survive Donald Trump, if he can get his words in a way that are palatable to all, there's no way he can't beat her. I mean, there's there's no way uh, he won't beat her. And that's, I mean, that's new, you know. That's, That's new to these last few weeks, which is a new Donald Trump along with, a much, much worse Hillary Clinton. She's on the run now. You can see it. Um, you know, she doesn't have a lot of stump talent anyway. Um, and when you couple that with having to run from these issues, I, I got a feeling that, that things are going to, the tide will change. And, and the only one who can really stop that at this point, I think, is Donald Trump. So I hope that he doesn't. Yeah, I've, uh, I've often said for the last several months that I'm less concerned with what people say. And I know I'm not the general electorate, but I'm less, I'm less concerned with who people are, not what they say, because we all say dumb stuff sometimes. And, uh, and, and Trump just isn't, hasn't obviously been, he's learning as he goes, but he's, he's obviously wasn't trained how, how, how bad his words can, can, can bite him in the butt. And, uh, and I think he's, I hope we've got enough time for him to turn that around. I think he can. Uh, but on that, on that, on that stage Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, Trump went to Mexico and uh, he made his first appearance on the world stage this week, meeting with the Mexican president Enrique Peña uh, Nieto and delivered his first joint press conference from Mexico City. To the surprise of many, the two seem mutually impressed with each other. A very substantive, direct and constructive exchange of ideas over quite a period of time. This is a humanitarian disaster. The dangerous treks, the abuse by gangs and cartels, and the extreme physical dangers. And it must be solved. It must be solved quickly. Not fair to the people anywhere worldwide, you can truly say, but certainly not fair to the people of Mexico or the people of the United States. Yeah, obviously this is more more about the problems of not having that separation and what's coming in from Mexico, then it's 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 more of a problem than just do we like Mexican people. Here's uh, President uh, Nieto and what he said. You might disagree on several issues, but your presence here, Mr. Donald Trump, shows that we do have fundamental common ground. Mr. Trump and I had an open 
and constructive discussion. The purpose of our meeting was to get to know each other and to exchange ideas and visions about bilateral relationship of our countries. Then it was time for the reporter to ask questions, and ABC News's Jonathan Carl asked Trump what they discussed about the wall. Here was his response. We did discuss the wall. We didn't discuss payment of the wall. Uh, that'll be for a later date. This was a very preliminary meeting. I think it was an excellent meeting, and uh, we are, uh, I think we're very well on our way. A lot of the things I said are very strong, but we have to be strong. We have to say what's happening. Uh, there is crime, as you know. There's a lot of crime, and there's a lot of problems. But I think together we'll solve those problems. I really believe that the president and I will solve those problems. We will get them solved. Illegal immigration is a problem for Mexico as well as for us. Uh, drugs are a tremendous problem for Mexico as well as us. I mean, it's not a one-way street. And we will work together and we will get those problems solved. Yeah, uh, people are talking about the why he didn't didn't uh, discuss the payment of the wall. You know, business is business. Trump knows business, and you start your business with a relationship, and you don't start out with, hey, you're going to pay. You get to know each other, and you, and it's a negotiation. And getting Mexico to pay for the wall, in my opinion, as a business person, is going to be a piece of cake because there's there's direct uh, actions and reactions, and there's uh, consequences, and there's unintended and intended consequences, and everything that comes from everything you do. Here's uh, here's uh, 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 the President Nieto and his response. There have been misinterpretations or statements that unfortunately had hurt and impacted Mexicans in terms of the perception uh, that the candidate had expressed and which I absolutely respect that the Mexican people had felt insulted by certain comments, but I was certain that that his genuine interest is to build a relationship that might lead us to provide both our societies better conditions, that the willingness proposed by the Mexican president to gather with both candidates for the presidency of the United States is in fact on that premise to be able to together build, but mostly on the basis of respect, mutual respect between our nations. I have shared this with the presidential candidate Trump. I thought Trump looked very presidential. I thought he looked very diplomatic. I thought he handled it well. Um, I thought he showed showed everybody that he has the temperament. Joey? Yeah, I think it was great. Uh, I think, like I said earlier in the show, I think it was a great move. I think posture-wise, it was uh, very effective. Um, I think that you know, if we're going to get into the conversation of immigration um, and Trump's immigration policy, I think that you know, I'll put the positive stuff very, very much up front. I think that that accepting the invitation and doing it so quickly is the kind of action first presidential uh, candidate you want to see. I also think that taking the opportunity to lay out a 10-point plan and one that absolutely did not pander to the pro-immigration community as much of us expected it would, um, I think that that's the kind of directness and, um, and, and I guess you would say a confident uh, candidate that we want to have without the, the negative effects that, that has come from that over, over the last few months. I think that really, as a fiscal conservative, my biggest concern with the Trump immigration plan as outlined is 
how are we going to pay for this? And I think that needs to be the uh, the uh, one tack, you know, Bravo point of the ten point plan is, and this is how we're going to pay for it, and this is how it isn't going to cost us money. And if we can get there, then I think we're in a good place. On principle alone, we need an immigration policy that protects us. Um, but if you're going to go down the path, which most people do, which is to, to um, talk about immigration from a financial perspective and how it hurts us economically, unfortunately, all the evidence and information out there shows that the, the cost of, uh, associated with the welfare and other government programs going to uh, undocumented immigrants is about balanced out, if not lower than, what we save on cheap and undocumented labor. So that, that cancels out. And all that means there is we're not going to stop immigration, save money in welfare, use that money to build this force that he's talking about. That's not how it's going to work. So we've got to find ways for this policy to pay for itself. That way the principle doesn't cost us money. Or we have to make the decision that on principle alone, changing our open border policy um, is worth that added cost with everything else going on fiscally. Um, so I think it, it's a bigger conversation. I'm glad we're having it. I think the fact that it's a key conversation in Trump's presidency has, has begun uh, to run its course, and I hope that along these debates we start talking about other things like what are you going to do in the Middle East, how are we going to defeat ISIS, are, are you going to uh, support our military correctly, are we going to cut fra- uh, fraud, waste, and abuse, and not only the DOD but the VA and other government agencies, and oh, by the way, can we talk about educating our youth because that's probably the most important topic that we should be focused on. We need to build the next generation that isn't weak, ignorant, and um, and a few other things I feel like this current generation perhaps is. You talk about our age difference all the time. Well, at 55 years old, you can get settled in your principles and not care so much about, about what what the facts show. And at 30 years old, you're getting settled in your principles, so the facts can still sway your opinion from time to time. So just like in immigration, on the principle of it, absolutely, I support it. On the factual side, how can we do this without adding another financial burden or greatly expanding the size and scope of our federal government? Yeah, but as as uh, as we get older, our perspective changes in many aspects. In number one, I've I have gone business-wise and raising kids-wise and watching watching how the world works. Uh, I'm 25 years past you, and the other and the, from the other perspective, I've got kids that are your age that are coming into their own as well and they I've got grandkids that I want to make sure that when I'm gone they're still United States of America that you fought for that that I've helped pay for and uh, it's still there for my grandkids and and their kids and their kids um, how who didn't part who didn't who didn't interpret Trump's uh, Trump's meeting the same way was Hillary and here's what Hillary said about his his quick his quick uh, uh, run down to Mexico. Hey, there's a there's an invitation for me. I'm going for it. This is important. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a priority instead of fundraising. Here's what Hillary said. Don't build a coalition by insulting our friends or acting like a loose cannon. You do it by putting in the slow, hard work of building relationships. And it certainly takes more than trying to make up for a year of insults and insinuations by dropping in on our neighbors for a few hours and then flying home again. That is not how it works. I think it is how it works. 
it's uh <laughs> it's you talk to talk to your uh to your people you're going to do business with that your neighbors are with i think that is how it works joey what'd you think of that comment I, I, I laugh because I told you earlier in this program, you know, Hillary seems to be the one kind of on the run and chasing her tail uh, at the stump right now. And this is, a, this is an absolute um, evidence of that. I mean, there is no bad way to talk about how Trump jumped on this opportunity and made something of it. There's no way to talk that down. So what do you have to do? You cry wolf. You use these key terms like, oh, he's a racist or he spent two years offending people. No, what's happening today is that he's going down to meet with the leader of Mexico, one that called him Mussolini and Hitler, and he's trying to build a bridge, a diplomatic bridge, that you haven't been able to do or weren't able to do as Secretary of State. Um, And you want to talk about establishing relationships. This is the secretary and regime change talking now that, that has her relationship with foreign leaders is supporting those to overthrow them without a plan to back that country up or supporting withdrawing military and forces from places we've already changed the regime with no plan on what to do after that, or advertising to the world when we're going to leave so that the bad guys can, can just wait us out. So I think it's very comical. I think there's a lot of, not, of irony, as there is in all politics. But uh, I think this really shows how desperate she is to hang on to the higher road or the holier-than-thou um, image that she's tried to carry. And, and, you know, the, the worst thing about this entire presidential election has been a full year of, I know I'm bad, but I'm not Hillary Clinton, or I know I'm not that great, but, uh, Lord, I'm not Donald Trump. And if we can turn that tide, and if Donald Trump is the one that does it and starts talking about what he is going to do and not that he's just better than Hillary before she does the same, then I think that the momentum he's riding will continue. And uh, that gives me hope for the Republican Party and conservative values. Yes, uh, as 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 it does to me, I'm uh, I'm really thinking that this this has to happen in order for United States to stay stay around. So later in the evening, uh, Trump gave his much anticipated immigration speech in in Arizona. He was uh, he'd gotten a lot of flack for kissing up to the Mexican president that afternoon, then going back to his original tone on immigration that night. I'm going to play a couple of clips that. I don't really think he changes tone that much, but he but he's he's pressing enforce the laws. Let me play the first clip on uh, of his speech. I've just landed, having returned from a very important and special meeting with the president of Mexico, a man I like and respect very much. We agreed on the importance of ending the illegal flow of drugs, cash guns and people across our border and to put the cartels out of business. When politicians talk about immigration reform, they usually mean the following. Amnesty, open borders, lower wages. Immigration reform should mean something else entirely. It should mean improvements to our laws and policies to make life better for American citizens. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the the um, the the tone of Trump's speech and his ten point plan kind of reminded me of this of this clip from the movie Michael. I'm a writer too. Oh, really? What did you write? Psalm eighty five. I wasn't called Psalm 85 when I wrote it. I had no idea they were going to be collected and numbered. Yeah, yeah. 
was right around the time I invented standing in line. You invented standing in line? Mm -hmm. Before then, everybody just milled around. It was a mess. So one day I said, why not make a line? A line for what? To get in. To get in, make a line. You know, it's a, you know, it's kind of, hey, enforce the laws. If you're coming in, stand in line, enforce the laws, come in and, in, uh, you know, register at the door, show us your invitation, make sure that we, we know who's, who's coming in. And a lot of people have, uh, are saying, hey, you know, now, now, now some of uh, the, the, uh, Republicans that are saying, well, we can't support him now, our Republican, uh, our Republican, uh, Hispanic, group leaders that are saying, hey, we were going to support Trump, but now we can't because he's saying that we're going to get rid of everybody. I don't think he said he we're going to get rid of everybody. He said we're going to get rid of the bad guys. And people are leaving out this one this one little one little one minute clip that I have from from the speech that I haven't heard anybody replay, but I watched it and I said, what about that one? Let me play it. People will know that you can't just smuggle in, hunker down and wait to be legalized. It's not going to work that way. Those days are over. And then this part. Importantly, in several years, when we have accomplished all of our enforcement and deportation goals and truly ended illegal immigration for good, including the construction of a great wall which we will have built in record time, and at a reasonable cost, which you never hear from the government. And the establishment of our new lawful immigration system, then and only then will we be in a position to consider the appropriate disposition of those individuals who remain. That discussion can take place only in an atmosphere in which illegal immigration is a memory of the past, no longer with us, allowing us to weigh the different options available based on the new circumstances at the time. We can't discuss getting getting back in shape until we stop the bleeding, Joey. Sure. I mean, this is this is not a new argument. It's been the argument of the Republican establishment for a long time. Uh, we can't discuss amnesty until we secure the border. The problem is the funding it takes to secure the border can't be done from the presidential office. It's got to be done through Congress. He's going to have to get down-ballot Republicans on his side there. Um, it, you want to say you're going to get Mexico to pay for the wall? Ball means the day that happens, I'll be a believer. And I'm not wrong for not believing it until then. However... If we get to that point, I'll support conversations getting us to that point. If we get to a point where we have a law, then why is amnesty bad? Let's have that conversation for those already in the country. Why is it bad? Not, in, not on principle, because they absolutely cheated the system, but for this country. And, or why would it be good? Is, is, is bad? What is the bad and good of amnesty once we've secured the border? And I think that we're going to have to have that conversation. And I'm, and I'm completely, I'm completely okay yeah. with, I'm completely okay with, with, Hey, there's good people that came across illegally. We, we make a path to legalization, not to citizenship. You came in illegally. You don't get to vote. Well, amnesty but, doesn't talk about citizenship at all. It talks about, are you still a fugitive basically? But, but, the, Demo the, yeah. but the Democrats talk about that, but we, but we give them a, give them a path in here for the good people that have, you know, uh, citizen kids that have been here for a long time, make them pay some back taxes, maybe make them serve, serve their country, do whatever, 
but come up with a, a way to keep the good people here and and uh, with some respect. I'm okay with that. But you can't do it today. We need well, to stop no, the bleeding and, and first. There, and this is a bigger conversation, though. Donald Trump has to speak that language, um, and and we can't we can't fault him when he changes his position. Has he flip flopped on immigration? Well, first define to me what flip flop means. Has he changed? His argument about immigration? I don't know. You tell me. At first, in the primaries, it was not only will we build a wall, we can easily deport 11 million people. Eisenhower did it without half the technology we have. What was his 10-point plan? 10-point plan said, I will prioritize who and how we deport the, the people that are here illegally. That is a political flip-flop, but it's also political verbiage mastery. I mean, it truly is mastering changing your position towards what is more palatable in the general election. I have no problem with that, and I think Republicans are only circling, uh, they're only flies circling the dead carcass of a horse to go any further talking about it. And what I mean by that, Greg Gutfeld pointed out, I believe on the, on the Five on Fox a few weeks ago, that what truly makes Trump different as a candidate is that he's not actually principally grounded on very many issues at all. In other words, everything he said to date has been a bargaining position, something that can fluctuate and change based on the, the tenor and tone of the American people and his opposition and what they're bringing to the table. My perspective is be, out, be outspoken about that. Be honest with us about that. Don't argue with pundits on whether or not you're flip-flopping and double down on the fact if you're a master negotiator Let's double down on a presidential candidate who's willing to negotiate towards the achievable outcome, not the stump speech outcome, not the, not the one that gets the most people riled up. And then I can support that. And, and I, I honestly, I believe that's the direction he's going. I just want him to you know, really embrace that. And I think Republicans have to be smart and honest and let him. And, Joey, as we, as we run out of time, I'll point out that the 11 million people is a, is a figure they came up with about 19 years ago, and we get another million every sure. year. So it's really more 30 million people that are here. But anyway, we're out of time for this uh, for this episode of the main event. Joey, thanks for being a part of it. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned uh, next week for my 9-11 special. We'll be back again. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Hey.